You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. We've got a hell of a Monday show for you. College football realignment and the Pac-12 implodes in a matter of about six hours on Friday afternoon. It was crazy. We'll get to all of that, what it means going forward. And I think there's kind of there's kind of a little bit of an overreaction going on, and I'll explain what I mean in a little bit. Also, I want to talk about the U.S. women's national soccer team that lost in the knockout rounds and the round of 16 in the World Cup yesterday morning. Some stuff to go over there, and uh, I wanted to I wanted to bring that up. But we're going to spend a lot of time talking college football today, and we'll get to all that momentarily. So I almost have to apologize to everybody. You know why? Because on Friday when we last left you, I said, you know, I'm telling you, in the next two or three weeks, probably, you are going to see Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Oregon, and Washington all leave the Pac-12. Man, I was off because it happened literally hours after you listened to my podcast on Friday. As you know by now, Oregon and Washington have both accepted bids to join the Big Ten next year. And after Colorado, a couple weeks ago, joined the Big 12, Arizona State, Arizona joined, and then Arizona State and Utah jumped on board. So right now, the Pac-12 has four teams remaining, Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford. The Big 10 is at 18 teams. The Big 12 will be at 16 teams after this year. And the Big 10 is 18 starting next year as well. So there's so many things to unpack here. Let's start with this. We knew this was coming. I don't think anybody thought it was coming as early as Friday when it all just went down and all these teams accepted. And you listen to enough podcasts, you read enough articles, this is all the fault of the Pac-12. This is the fault of the Pac-12 commissioner, George Kliakoff, and the former commissioner, Larry Scott, who didn't have the foresight to foresee what was happening in college football. They signed a, I think it was, a 12-year, $3 billion deal or whatever it was, their last TV contract that ends at the end of next year. And so with all these other teams and all these other conferences gassed up in their new television contracts, the Big Ten, the SEC, and the Big 12, they're all ready to go. They've got it on all different networks. You've got the Big Ten is going to be shown on NBC with their Sunday night or the Saturday night game of the week. They're going to be on CBS as well, and they're also going to be on um, Fox and Fox Sports 1. So they got the nose networks covered. The SEC is going to be on ABC and ESPN plus the SEC network. And then the Big 12, I believe, is still going to be on ESPN and a couple other places. Pac-12 had no TV deal. And the whole point of the Pac-12 was we need to get a TV deal in place and we need to get it that somewhat rivals the other conferences or else why would teams want to be in our league playing under this TV deal when they see the other money that's out there from the other conferences. And the Pac-12 had nine months, 12 months to get a TV deal together. And last week when they met, Pac-12 Commissioner George Kliakoff sat in front of everybody and said, here's our TV deal. It's only with one person. It's streaming on Apple TV and it's not guaranteed, and there's an out after two years. <laughs> I'm sorry. Tell me you don't have a TV. Tell me you don't have a TV deal by telling me you don't have a TV deal. That's it. So immediately, 
why would those teams, why would those programs stay in the Pac-12? It makes sense. Oregon, Washington going to the Big Ten, and the other four going to the Big 12. So I understand. I totally understand why those teams decided to do it. You just weren't going to be able to compete being on a streaming service. Not to mention, remember 12 years ago, the Pac-12 said, hey, look, we got a Pac-12 network. That was an out-and-out disaster. So many people couldn't access it. Very few people even had it. And so after 12 years of a failing Pac-12 network, the only thing you come to the table with is, hey, we're going to be on another streaming service that people are going to have to pay for to watch our games when all these other conferences are going to be on free TV, NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox. (laughs) I don't blame the teams for leaving. Neither should you. What this does do, obviously, is throw a wrench into things, and traditionalists are like, I cannot believe the Pac-12 is no longer. And yes, it is kind of weird that starting next season, there's probably not going to be a Pac-12. The reason why you say, well, Steve, why won't the Pac-12, the four teams remaining, why don't they just go recruit San Diego State and SMU and Boise State? Because those conferences are actually smart, and they have a $31 million exit fee that the Pac-12 would have to pay to steal them away. The Pac-12, again, another blunder on their part, for whatever reason, didn't put exit fees into their conference contracts. That's why these teams were able to leave in a matter of hours this past Friday. So it looks like Washington State and Oregon State are going to have to go to another conference, probably the Mountain West. Stanford and Cal, different story because they have zero fan base. They Those fans do not care about either of those teams in terms of football. Stanford is the number one athletic program in all of the country. When If you add up national championships and awards and all that stuff because all their other sports are great, but football sucks. But yet that's where all the money is made. As I told you last Friday, every single athletic department and sports program is paid for by what the football team and the basketball team bring in. Period, end of story. So, it's backwards at Stanford. All their other teams are really, really good and elite level and win tons of national championships, and their football team is god-awful and horseshit. Yes, I know they were good under David Shaw, won a couple Rose Bowls, but did you ever see Stanford Stadium when they had a Saturday night game when they weren't good? I mean, it was a morgue there. So, nobody really knows what's going to happen with Stanford and Cal. There's actually talk that Stanford might fold their football program. I I don't know how true that is, if it's realistic, but, I mean, they don't have a lot of support. They are not a football powerhouse by any means. So, in terms of the Pac-12 dissolving as quickly as it did, I get it. It's weird, but I'm going to keep drilling this into everybody's head. Once this is all settled and once the 2024 college football season starts and we start seeing a Saturday night Big Ten game of the week on NBC where USC is playing Ohio State in October or November, do you really think anybody's going to care about, oh, man, I hate the fact that the Pac-12 just dissolved in a matter of hours that one Friday? No. They won't. Football is king in this world. Live sports is king in this world. That's why all these streaming outlets and even the CW is trying to get involved. 
because that's where advertisers spend the biggest money because most people don't watch sports after recording it. They watch them live. And so you're almost forced to look at commercials. Yes, you still might not pay attention. You might go to the bathroom. You might go get a snack. Whatever the case may be, it's still going to be there. You are going to see commercials because most people don't get up every single commercial break to do something during a sports match. So that's why live sports dominate television. That's why all the advertisers want in on live sports. That's why all the networks want live sports. And that's why live sports, especially like the Super Bowl, can charge $5 million for a 30-second spot because they know you're going to look at it. And they know they're going to be over 100 million eyeballs on it. And that's why 75 of the 100 most watched programs in any given calendar year are football games. So you have to keep that in mind when looking at why teams left to go to other conferences. Yes, the Pac-12 is not going to have a Big Ten, Pac-10 matchup on New Year's Day anymore. It sucks. If you're a traditionalist, you're probably bothered by that. I guarantee you'll be over it within a matter of months, if not a year. Like, you understand that this is not a huge deal. You know why? Because the fabric of the game has not changed. And I'll talk about that in a second. I think people are acting like, oh my gosh, college football will never be the same. No, 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 no. It's not that teams are getting relegated. It's still a 60-minute game played in four 15-minute quarters where you get six points for a touchdown and you get one point for an extra point and two points for a two-point conversion. Nothing about the game of football has changed. Nothing about the game of college football has changed. Nothing about the game in the NFL has changed. Nothing about college football has changed after what happened last Friday. Nothing. Everybody is still playing a schedule, you're just playing different teams. That's it. That's the only thing that changed. What conference you're in. People are acting like this is some crazy, just unbelievable change to the game, and it's not. It really is just a change to the schedule. And how many people really care about the schedule? You just want to see good games. And that's what we're going to get with this. Yes, Oregon and Washington and UCLA and USC having to travel to Big Ten teams. Okay. Yeah, they have to travel farther. Number one, they usually travel charter. Number two, they play once a week. If anything, where this is going to affect college sports the most is not college football is not really college basketball. It's more the other sports. When your tennis team at UCLA has to go play a match at Rutgers, how are you going to do that logistically? It'll all get done because there are people that are working on stuff like this. But that's what I mean. Like when you play on Thursdays and Wednesdays, now when USC and UCLA, rather than traveling to Arizona and Arizona State, now have to travel to Iowa, longer flight, get back later, all this stuff. It's going to cut into study time and class time, all that stuff. They're going to have to work that out. So that's the part where it's going to affect the most. But look at what really changed in college football. You're just playing different teams than you normally would. You're still playing a 12-game schedule. You're still in a conference. It's like people are acting like, oh, my gosh. And I get that they're saying it's changed in the fact that there's no more Pac-12. And, yes, that's weird. 
But I'm telling you, that's weird now because it just happened three days ago. It's not going to be weird a year from now when this is the norm. I swear to you, when we finally get a schedule announcement for 2024 that, I don't know, USC plays Michigan or USC plays Ohio State on November 18th in the Big Ten Saturday night game of the week, you are not going to be complaining about the dissolution of the Pac-12 a year earlier. You're just not. You are going to tune into that game. Everybody is. It seems like everybody wants to complain about this, yet nothing's going to change, and if anything, more people are going to watch. Why? Because we're going to get better matchups. And look, these teams going to different conferences doesn't even necessarily mean any sort of new success. You realize the SEC still dominates everything. You can talk about the Big Ten getting better, and you can arguably say they are the second best conference now in college football. I don't think that's, I don't even think there's an argument there. You could even say that they are more top heavy than the SEC now because the SEC has been dominated by Alabama and Georgia. And then on the next level is like LSU. And then now with Texas and uh, Oklahoma coming in, we'll, we'll see. I don't know how good they're going to be in the SEC. But you understand how much SEC has dominated college football, right? They've won the last four national championships. They've won five of the last six national championships. They've won six of the last nine national championships and 13 of the last 17 national championships. So while the Big Ten got better, doesn't mean they're going to all of a sudden start stockpiling national championships. Oregon and Washington are actually the only two teams from the Pac-10 since they went to a four-team college football playoff that ever even made the playoff. That's crazy to think about, I know. SC never made the playoff since 2014. Since 2007, if you include football and college basketball, the SEC has brought home 19 national championships in football and college basketball since 2007. Do you know how many the Big Ten has brought in? One. And that's including USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. I'm, a, I'm including them in that stat. And it still means in the last 10 years, or since 2007, football and uh, basketball, national champions, 19 came from the SEC and one came from the Big Ten, if you include the, even include the new four schools that they got. So, if it, I, you know, I don't know if this means that they're going to all lead each other. We don't know yet. They might all feast on each other. We have no idea how this is going to work. I think the Big Ten now with Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, SC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, that's a very, very, that's 70 or 18 teams that are really good in football, consistently good. Washington's had their up and downs, but with Kalen DeBoer as the coach, I really think they're on the up and up. But I don't think the SEC has seven teams top-heavy like that. But it doesn't mean the Big Ten is going to win the national championship. I think it just means, you know, look, with an 18-team conference now, you got to figure this. Every year, I would think, we don't, we don't know how the Big Ten is going to do their conference schedule, but with nine conference games, you got to figure the West Coast teams 
the th- the you're going to play the other three on the West Coast every season, right? SE is going to play UCLA, Oregon, and Washington every season. So that leaves you only six conference games. Three will be away, and three will be home, roughly. Maybe four and two one year. But there's 14 other teams for those six games. So I would think they're going to keep away the UCLA-Rutgers-USC-Rutgers matchup. Maybe you get that every four years, maybe even every six years. I think they're going to do it to where this travel, even though it's only once a week, is limited. I think you're going to see, now granted, you still have to go to travel to Michigan, still have to travel to Ohio State, but I think of those other six games that you play in conference that aren't your West Coast rivals, I think they're going to be the farther ones away, the Rutgers of the world playing UCLA, USC, Oregon, Washington. That'll happen once every four or six years. So the meat of it will be UCLA, Nebraska, UCLA, Iowa, SC, Minnesota, SC, Michigan State, SC, Michigan, SC, Ohio State. They'll figure out a way. We will. We'll, when the schedule comes out, then we can decide, dissect it more. I'm just saying that because Rutgers is now in the same conference as those four West Coast schools, doesn't mean they're going to play them every year. I guarantee they are going to keep those at a minimum. So just keep that in mind. But, man, it's still football. The game hasn't changed. It just the opponents are changing, and that's it. And months from now, at the earliest, at, you know, at the latest, actually, the beginning of the 2024 season, everyone will forget about what happened this past weekend of all these teams defecting from the Pac-12. It's not going to be a big deal. People are going to be like, Ugh, I don't want to watch USC Ohio State on uh, Saturday night Big Ten game of the week because of what happened to the Pac-12 a year ago. Nobody's going to say that. You're all going to watch. I'm going to watch. You're going to watch. And we're going to love it. So just keep that in mind. And finally, I've never talked soccer on this podcast because I only talk about it if something big comes up. And we're in World Cup season. And the U.S. women's team lost yesterday to Sweden uh, in penalty kicks. They lost 5-4. to four. Uh, It went bonus penalty kicks because they were tied after 5 and it was on very early in the morning, 3, 3 a.m., um, sorry, 2 a.m. West Coast time. It was on 4 a.m. here. I woke up at 6.15, and it was basically the last five minutes of the, whatever, the golden goal, the overtime. So I woke up just in time to watch penalty kicks. Here's what I'll say. It's very easy to jump all over the U.S. team. They have been criticized pretty heavily for just – not being as good. But you also got to remember this. They are the two-time defending World Cup champions. In men's and women's World Cup soccer, no team has ever won three in a row. So they already had that working against them. In the history of World Cup soccer play, no team has ever won the World Cup three three times in a row. So it was almost, I, I, yes, I understand they were the number one seed, but come on. In a game where margin of error is so slim, and games are so low scoring to say that, oh my gosh, I can't believe they lost in the round of 16. Look, they didn't, they played their best game and they lost in their first three games in group play. They did not play well. And the reason that they didn't play well or why the the result of them not playing well is the reason they drew the number three seed in the world, Sweden in the round of 16, because they ended up finishing second in their group play. If they would have won their group play, like everyone expected them to, they wouldn't have drawn the third-ranked team in the world. 
So that hurt them. Yet, after those three group games where they didn't play very well at all, they get to the round of 16, which is the only way you can even win the World Cup is you got to get to that final 16 and start there. They played, by all accounts, their best game. They outshot Sweden 21 to 7. Shots on target was 11 to 1. But Sweden's goalie, Musevic, saved every good shot the U.S. had. It's just, I don't want to say it was just bad luck, but for whatever reason, this team could not score goals. They had four goals total in a, in a, in a span of four games. Three of those goals were in game one against, who was it, Vietnam? So they had one goal in their last three games, shut out in their last two games. You can't win in soccer if you don't score goals. <laughs> it seems pretty simple, right? So I don't want to sit here and knock them and say they were terrible. They weren't terrible. They played their best game, and yet they still ended up losing on penalty kicks. And did you even watch the penalty kicks? In the penalty kicks, the other goalie never saved one. All three kicks that the U.S. missed either hit the post or they kicked it wide of the goal. That is just crazy. And then the winning goal on the seventh penalty kick by Sweden, the U.S. goalie blocks it up in the air and then knocks it away. But when they went to the uh, the VAR system, they were able to see, yeah, it was behind the line. Now, this is what I didn't know, and I wish it would have been explained to me by the commentators, is if the ball was half on the line and half in the goal, would that have been a goal? Because I don't know the rule. I don't follow soccer enough. Does it have to be all, the whole ball has to be behind that line for it to be considered a goal? Because it was by a very, very slim, I mean, we're talking centimeters, that whole ball was behind the goal line. But I don't know what the rule is. Or if any part of that ball is touching the goal line, it's a goal. I don't know. Or any part of the ball touching uh, is touching behind the goal line. Is that a goal? I wish they would have explained that to me. But it definitely was a goal. The whole ball was behind the line. And what I'm saying is if half that ball was on the line and half the ball was behind it, would that have been a goal? I don't even know the answer. But it sucks. They'll be criticized. I'm sure the coach is going to get fired. And I just don't know enough about soccer to sit here and dissect um, all these things. But I'll, I, I do know this. When you score four goals in four games, you're not going to win many games. And we should have been better than that. And th- like I said, three of those goals were in game one. They literally scored one goal in the last three games that they played. So si- si- honestly, y- you can't win. <laughs> you just can't unless you win just every game in penalty kicks. And people that want to complain about penalty kicks deciding any sort of World Cup game, I mean, what are you going to do? You can't have five-hour games. What if they just kept playing and nobody scored? You have to put an end to it. You give them 30 extra minutes after the 90 minutes of play, two 15-minute halves, and then after that, fine, let's just go to penalty kicks. I'm fine with penalty kicks. It's it's a rough way to win or lose a game. I get it, especially a game on that stage. But what's the alternative? Just continue to play and possibly have a four- or five-hour game, especially in the game of soccer where once you sub somebody, you can't put them back in? That doesn't make any sense to me. So, um, you, you kind of have to. You, you, you kind of have to do this. You just you can't take a chance on playing four and five hour soccer games. You know, just doesn't work that way. But it sucks that the U.S. team lost. Sucks that they haven't. They can't be the first team to win three in a row. But let's not sit here and absolutely trash them. 
and bash them and say, oh, my gosh, they're uh, embarrassment. And, they, you know, they embarrassed our country. No, they didn't. They played their best game yesterday, and the other team's goalie got hot. And we had way more opportunities. <laughs> 21 to 7 outshot them and 11 to 1 shots on target. They had one shot on target all game. 120 minutes, Sweden had one shot. So you can't say we didn't play well. We played great. But the whole point of soccer and any sport is to score more than the other team. And we didn't do that. So we lost. Happens. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. Please follow in Apple Podcast. Uh, rate, subscribe, uh, and review as well. Rate and review certainly helps the podcast. Pass it along to your friends. Um, let them know about the podcast as well. I appreciate you all listening, and we're back tomorrow with yet another episode. So, again, thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow.